Next Chapter Podcasts. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Michael Goodfriend, and I'm the executive producer of the Play On Podcasts. You know, William Shakespeare did not write simple stories. His greatest masterpieces like Hamlet and A Midsummer Night's Dream and all the plays that we hear about are wide-ranging, complex, epic tales with plots and subplots and twists and turns that are dizzying from any perspective. If you ask any Shakespearean actor or scholar or director how best to understand these plays, most of them will tell you that you have to see them on stage to really get what's going on. But what if you can't see the play? Well, the next best thing, of course, is to hear the play. And if we're doing our job right here at Next Chapter Podcasts, hearing the play on podcasts will make things clearer even than if you were able to see the play. Even with that, though, it's almost impossible to really get what's going on without a little guidance, some type of synopsis or roadmap to help us really understand these plots. Well, that's where Louis Douthat comes in. Louis was the director of literary development and dramaturgy for 25 years at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and she supervised the Play On project before becoming the president and co-founder of Play On Shakespeare. We've had Louis on for bonus content uh, in the past, and we got the full story, the origin story of the Play On series, but we haven't had her with us to really examine these stories in detail. That's why she's here today to talk with us about King Lear. She's just the person to help us understand it a little bit better. And I'm really glad to have her here with me. Welcome, Louie. Thank you, Michael. You know, I, I should change that a little bit. I wasn't, it was, I was at Oregon for 25 years, but not all the whole time as, a, you know, head of the department, but always literary. It was always, um, my entry was always literary. You worked with playwrights on new plays and you also worked on dramaturgy for the Shakespeare plays at OSF. Is that correct? Yeah, that was the beautiful um, part of one of the beautiful parts about being at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And you so well know that as an actor in the company that you got to be in a a range of plays over the course of a, a season, which was ranging from six to 10 months for you as an actor, and that you got to stretch yourself in different um, in different ways in, in terms of genre and in terms of space, where was it being, the kind of character you were playing, um, working on a new play or working on a classic. My, my entry into all this, Michael, is that all plays are new plays, including Shakespeare, who was a, a new playwright once too. And um, uh, how do we try to, can we possibly go back as if for the first time to experience these stories as an audience would have 400 years ago? I think it's an impossible question to answer really. Um, 
but that's my interest in making them fresh again uh, and having us hear them as if for the first time. Can you take us back to the conversation you had with Marcus Gardley when you proposed King Lear? Was it you that proposed King Lear to him? Oh, no, I, th- I, think, it, I think it was the ambitious Marcus Gardley who wanted King Lear. I mean, even at that time, so Marcus is extraordinary poet, uh, theater maker, uh, writer. And even then, which was in 2015 or something like that, he was incredibly busy and... I had this sense he was about to really ascend, which he has. I'm delighted to know that more people are now being able to hear and see and feel, most importantly, feel Marx's words and, you know, the effect that they have on characters and how they have effect on us. And at that time, I said, really, King Lear? I mean, that's a that's a tall order. He said, no, no, he wants to take on King Lear. I said, all right. You know, uh, it, it, it was generally better, Michael, if the playwright got it to choose the play that they kind of had a thing for. You know, I think we've talked to Sean San Jose about his Coriolanus. Same thing. I mean, he wanted Coriolanus. So I was like, oof. Um, and s- similar here with Marcus. I mean, he really wanted to take it on. And, you know, there, there's some interesting textual um pieces about some of these plays, as you mentioned, uh, like a Hamlet or a Richard III um, and a King Lear, for sure, in that the, and R- Romeo and Juliet, in that there are different versions that were published in Shakespeare, during Shakespeare's lifetime. And, you know, what constitutes the authentic text, authorial text? I, I don't know, but I said I want him to do the longest one because I wanted my money's worth in the translation exercise. So that often, if you pick up a, a version of, um, you know, a, an edition of King Larry, it, it will be something that's called a conflated version when it has pieces from quarter one or quarter two and, and from the folio kind of pick the best pieces. Um, in one version, the, 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 court, the trial scene does not happen, right? And in other versions, who has the last line in the play differs. And I find that all kind of very fascinating uh, for the for the sheer reason that these documents still are living documents in a weird way, right? They are two-dimensional art objects that give us a clue on how to do them three-dimensionally. You know, I might add to your comments at the beginning, Michael, that reading them is also a great way to have access to them if you can't sort of see a performance or get to a performance or even hear them on on these podcasts, which are so great, and in other ways too. This is Michael Goodfriend, executive producer of the Play On podcast series. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with the creatives behind the scenes. To listen to the full interview, join the Play On supporting cast for just $5 a month, which by the time you hear this might be less than you'll pay for a gallon of gas. You'll get in-depth interviews featuring some of the most brilliant artists working today. You'll also enjoy ad-free episodes of the Play On podcast series. Subscribe today for $5 a month. Join the cast. Go to ncpodcast.com and sign up today. Thanks for listening.
Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Next Chapter Podcasts.